Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, hello everyone. I'm Dr. Christy. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and I'm here on the East Coast in Virginia. Um, I work at Hampton University as the director of the Student Counseling Center there. And then I also uh, work and do some private practice work, particularly kind of focused on helping communities of color um, just sort of normalize the conversations about mental health. I love that because I think that there's been kind of a wave, right, in recent years where more and more people mainly like celebrities and things like that. And it's kind of trickled down to the general population being more, I guess, forward about dealing with mental health stuff and seeking support for mental health stuff. So for you in the role where you're promoting these conversations, um, how have you found it that it's been received by, by, you know, those who attend or um, come, do you see there's resistance or do you feel like people are open and want to want to chat about this stuff? I think I see both. Like I see working with mostly college students right now, I see like, it's being normalized. You know, we have um, Tamar, we have Taraji, um, we have Dak Prescott. So there's so many um, folks who are kind of normalizing and talking about mental health. Uh, but then there's also this like subset where it's kind of like, oh, but I can't talk about this with older generations or I can't talk about this with people of faith. And so it's like this dichotomy where you see a little bit of both, like people want to talk about it. They want to be open and honest, but it's kind of like this tightrope where it's like, but I don't know, is it 100 percent safe for me to really like let everything that I'm feeling kind of out? And then who do I do that with? Yeah, I think that I'm with you on that because while someone might be comfortable talking to their friends, you know, and saying, hey, like, what can I do what I'm dealing with? They still are dealing with their family or grandparents or things like that, where they're like, well, a part of what I'm dealing with has to do with my parents or my grandparents, but I'm not so sure I can actually have a conversation with them about what's going on. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and for for you and your work, um, what have you found to be maybe personally um, the more the most rewarding to see of of being able to support and have these conversations happen? You know, I think for me, so I should say right before I started at Hampton, I was working uh, for about ten years with military veterans. So mostly, you know, these sort of kind of burly, stereotypical, kind of masculine men who many of whom were deployed and came back with a lot of trauma. And so I think working in that realm and then also with college students, I've just really found it helpful um, and rewarding just to see people come in and be like afraid of the therapy process, kind of being like, hey, you know, my my wife said or my partner said um, or my friend said, if I don't get help, like this is it. Or, you know, I got four DUIs. And so they told me I had to come, you know, get mental health treatment or just, hey, I've been suffering in silence and I need someone to try to like let this out to. And so seeing people kind of be cautious and a little bit avoidant of the process, but like seeing their growth, like seeing them being able to trust someone else and share space uh, 
regarding their emotions, being able to then see them live these like fruitful lives where they can, you know, have really healthy relationships where pre-pandemic they could like travel or they could, you know, go do some of the social activities that are important to them. And so no longer like living in this prison, if that makes sense, this kind of emotional prison, but like being able to live life to its fullest um, while also not being scared of like what they're feeling inside. I love that you mentioned that because I think that oftentimes people are so hyper-focused on perfection or healing as a destination. And I think at the end of the day, if we can shift our focus to the progress, to the places where growth is occurring, that one, it feels so much better in a given moment because it's tangible. Um, but then it also leaves space for grace and the understanding that healing and growth and getting wherever we think we're supposed to go only ever occurs, you know, by these small things that we do and that we achieve in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I think, you know, for me, just to be transparent, I'm guilty of that too. Like what I like to call the light switch sort of concept, which is like, okay, doc, come on, fix me. Like I'm ready to be out of here. And it's like, you know, not just mental health care is a journey, but just like life. I think we're all learning that if nothing else in the last nine months with the pandemic, it's like this whole process is a journey. And so sometimes I think with the society that we live in, it's kind of like, I want what I want now, like, you know, technology, we can have everything at our fingertips. And so with that process of becoming, if you will, it's sort of like, well, I want this to happen overnight. I don't want to feel this anxiety or this depression. And it's such a journey. And it's a journey that really can't be rushed because the process is really what helps you sort of move towards where you want to be. I love that. Yeah. I think there's a saying that goes, we teach what we most need to learn. And I embody that. As a person that's not perfect, many of the things that I say and suggest are things that I'm continually working on too. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, I think the more that we can be transparent and authentic as much as we can, you know, and we, we want to share to let people know, because there's also maybe a lens of, of looking at others, right? Comparison is the thief of joy and looking at them and saying, oh, well, it looks like so-and-so has it together, you know, and, and mm-hmm. what's going on with me that I'm struggling or I don't have it together or I'm trying to put in the same amount of work as I think that they're putting in and I'm not getting the results that they're getting. You know what I mean? I do. And I'm chuckling because I'm thinking about like social media and how so many of us like use social media as this kind of marker. And it's like, how many people are taking a picture 20 times just to get the right one to post? Right. And so the perception is like, hey, this person is living this perfect life or like they have it all together or like nothing's going wrong with them. Um, But that's just sort of what's being portrayed, you know. Um, to the outside world. And so I think we have to really be mindful of how we're um, kind of measuring ourselves to other people, especially when it comes to, you know, social media. Definitely. Yeah. The more and more we kind of get, I don't know, consumed or um, dive into this social media kind of lifestyle where it's just very much a part of um, people's experience on a day-to-day basis. And it heavily influences the way that they think, the way that they they move, the way that they interact, um, what they buy, and, and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's necessary for us to understand the context of what we consume and what we take in and how we curate our spaces 
both physically, maybe if we're able and digitally. So would you, what would you say that you see as some, you know, major concerns for the people that you work with? Um, Are there any common denominators in what people say they're dealing with or struggling to work through? Yeah, I think one of the main like common denominators is I'm I'm a weak person or there's something kind of wrong with me if I need help. Right. So um, particularly when I think about, you know, working with a lot of um, black women or black men um, or just communities of color, it's sort of like, hey, I'm supposed to be strong. Like, why can't I handle whatever's happening, you know, the fact that I'm having to telework or I can't socialize or travel um, or the different demands of life. And so it's kind of like this this sort of battle. Um, and then I think the other piece that I noticed that people struggle with is um, anxiety. And so um, how do I deal with, you know, experiences that happened to me when I was seven or eight And why can I not like move past those things? And why now when I'm, you know, 25, 30, you know, 35, why are they now causing me distress or causing me to feel anxious when I feel like I should be able to kind of move past? So those are kind of the two sort of pieces, I would say. So kind of avoidance of the emotion and then also like just kind of everyday anxiety. I love that we're going down this path because I feel like uh, that's something that oftentimes comes up in my sessions as well is uh, this idea that someone should be strong enough Mm. to handle everything by themselves and how that can sometimes get in the way of, of you being able to continue to move forward and, and make decisions that are conducive to where you're at and where you want to go, um, as well as anxiety. So for, for those who are listening and maybe, you know, not really well-versed in mental health and whatnot, what for you, like, is the best definition of anxiety? Yeah. So it's kind of like this sense of not feeling steady or not feeling a sense of peace or like, you know, you want to just like sit down, but you notice your heart is racing a lot or you notice like you're constantly sweating or when it's I think one of the big markers is like, hey, you're constantly busy, right? You're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week or busy in activities and you go from one thing to the next. And then when you finally slow down, you notice it feels really, really uncomfortable. So you feel kind of jittery. You feel like you can't relax. You feel like you can't just like slow down. And that often happens because, you know, we're kind of keeping ourselves busy day by day. But sometimes that busyness, which some people may say, oh, well, she's wonderful. She's involved in all the activities or he's, you know, such a great hard worker. But what you start to notice is that, hey, when I slow down, like I don't feel comfortable just being with me and with my thoughts. My body can't seem to relax. Like I can't seem to just be focused and kind of sit still in the moment. So then what I do is I keep myself, you know, busier so I don't have to feel that discomfort. So a lot of times anxiety can kind of manifest in those kind of ways. I love that you mentioned both kind of like the mental and the physical symptoms or things that would, you know, typically come up for someone because it presents and manifests for different people um, differently, being able to recognize, because I don't think people see that sometimes the physical things that they're dealing with 
have a basis in their mental or emotional mm-hmm. um, experience. And so they're like, I don't know why my stomach's always hurting these days. Like, it must be something I'm eating or it must be mm-hmm. the weather or, or, you know, and not right. recognizing that this could be, you know, this could be a result of you kind of dealing with some level of anxiety and it's manifesting in your body as opposed to manifesting in your mind. So I love that you mentioned both like the physical symptoms that may arise and also that it might feel like you're scatterbrained. You might feel indecisive. You might be, you know what I mean? Frustrated, or confused. Um, but there's so many different ways that it can show up. And then the avoidance, right? Not necessarily avoidance of another human being, but sometimes we avoid ourselves. Sometimes we avoid, mm-hmm. you know, quiet <laughs> yeah. because, because what comes up, we don't like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the thing that I've seen is that like, um, it's like normalized, right? So if you're busy all the time or you're like really productive at work, it's like you kind of get praised for that, right? So underlying is kind of this, some people are using this term like high functioning anxiety. And so underlying that busyness is like someone who's feeling really anxious or really, you know, uncomfortable with themselves or their own thoughts or their feelings. But meanwhile, their boss is like, you're the greatest employee ever. And so it's like, you're being reinforced for the thing that's actually, you know, uh, fueling, if you will, some of what you're feeling, your stomach and knots, the nervousness, the difficulty sleeping, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's difficult being able to strike a balance because because of that reinforcement, right, when we live in a world that kind of um, heavily, heavily reinforces is the good word or suggests that people should be productive, right? Mm-hmm. If we live in a society, then productivity, being able to produce things, whether it's works, services, um, or otherwise, is the way to excel and be accepted and to get approval, as opposed to, you know, your way of being or who you are um, being enough approval, you know? And so I think that terms like, I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm, I'm lazy. And it's like, are you though? Because after you just told me that you work 40 hours a week and you're a parent and you also are in school and you also are trying to manage a social life as well as a relationship, you know what I mean? And people use terms like lazy and it's like, let's, let's, let's back out of that a little bit (laughs) and and really look at the definition and really look at what's what you're dealing with. So have you ever heard that where people are saying that they're lazy or that they're not doing or producing enough when in reality they're doing a whole bunch? I have. I've heard people say I'm lazy, you know, I'm not doing productive or like, all I did this weekend was lay on the couch. That is being productive. I posted about this uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you know, that rest is a form of being productive. Like our bodies and our minds have to rest to be able to refuel. And so um, I've heard people say that often and I'm guilty, again, I'm guilty of it sometimes too, feeling like, oh, I should be doing more, right? Whether that's, you know, I should probably put that extra load of clothes in the laundry, but it's like, I just want to sit and, you know, watch Netflix. And sometimes we need to do that, you know, not for weeks and weeks at a time, but sometimes we might need to take a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and say, I'll get to the laundry on Monday because my body and my mind need to refuel. Yeah, I think that loosening allows for the idea that we're not giving up or don't have aspirations, but that there's a, a level of grace and an acknowledgement of flexibility 
because at the end of the day, we also, I have never met anybody who's an actual mind reader or who can actually tell the future. Mm -hmm. So for us to even come up with, with goals, right. Um, the idea of having a goal and not being flexible is like setting ourselves up because you can have a goal, but then life could happen that changes the goal. And if we are loosening the expectation, right, we still have the aspiration with the ability to exercise flexibility within that thing, understanding that, you know, things might change course or something might come up that you didn't expect that will will detour you. It doesn't mean that it's impossible to get to whatever that place is that you want to see or be in your life, but that it might look different than you had envisioned in your mind. Because I still ain't met nobody who was an actual Miss Cleo. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you have, but I have not come across that person yet. <laughs> That's so funny. This is a little bit of an aside, but I was I was speaking with someone, this was a couple months ago, and they were saying, Well, if people can tell the future, like why aren't these Miss Cleos or you know famous and why can't they aren't why aren't they rich in the sense of why wouldn't you play the lottery, right? Like if you if you can tell the future, I'd play the lottery and be extremely rich. Yeah. But obviously, right, like no one has done it because no one told us about 2020. I didn't hear nobody talking about <laughs> I didn't hear nobody talking about 2020. So clearly none of us, you know, none of us um, have that power tuned enough to be able to be 100 percent sure that the thing that we come up with in our mind is actually going to happen exactly the way that we say or that we see it. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we don't come up with guidelines or things that we hope to see or to do but what having that exer- that exercising of flexibility i think allows us to have grace and compassion with ourselves and understanding that everything's a process and sometimes the plans change or sometimes the course changes um and if we're open to learning and growing then the course change doesn't have to be the end of the world it's just all right like let's see what this what this route has to offer you know yeah, and let's kind of take the risk to allow ourselves to take that route, even as opposed to like fighting against it. So sometimes I think, you know, many of us find ourselves in this sort of tug of war where it's like, no, I don't want to do this, or I don't want to feel the anxiety, or I don't want to feel X, Y, and Z. But if you're going to feel it anyway, right, then why not allow yourself to do it rather than expending the extra energy to do everything you can? to avoid it. If that's, you know, staying busy or if that's, you know, pretending it doesn't exist. If you're, if you have to have it, right. If you feel anxious at certain points in time, or, you know, if you have experienced trauma, that's a part of who you are. And so I think denying that also is not, um, is not fair. And so part of, I think that journey and that kind of becoming is allowing yourself to acknowledge those things that are uncomfortable, those experiences that maybe you didn't want to have happen to you, but that are a part of you and that will help, you know, help you in your process and, and hopefully also help you help other people. I love that you mentioned that because there's a video that I oftentimes will uh, send to clients and it's called the struggle switch on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how, cause typically emotions will show up, but they have a shelf life. No one has ever been one thing forever. You know what I mean? You might have a mood, you might have, you know, a rough day, but no one has been one thing and there never be a break. Mm -hmm. So the struggle switch pretty much says, you know, that when an emotion shows up, 
we have the opportunity if we're aware enough and have our coping skills in place to recognize the emotion, allow acknowledge it and allow it to pass. But when it comes up and we struggle with it, we have that tug of war. Mm-hmm. Now we're plateauing that experience and actually elongating it. So when something pops up as far as like having a desire to to do something, start a new project, take on a hobby, take a risk on yourself, you know, in starting a business. And then that desire comes up and now we put it in the interrogation room and start questioning it and poking holes, right? Now we're elongating and plateauing our stress and anxiety about it. Yes, we need to ask questions to to be able to have a strategy, you know, when we when we come up with something we want to do. However, we don't want to keep ourselves in that place so long that now it becomes distressing as opposed to empowering us to be able to move forward um, confidently, knowing that we've asked ourselves the right question. And that's a difficult balance to strike, like easier said than done. (laughs) (laughs) That's why why maybe you need a a success squad. You might need a a therapist. You might need a coach. You might need all of the above, a group. You might need Mm – and it's okay because – that's where the issue lies is that this the all these things come up and then people think they have to deal with it by themselves when in reality nobody there's no such thing as self-made because it took at least two humans and a divine being depending on what you believe in to put you here on the planet <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so who says that now that you're on the planet you're supposed to do all these things by yourself and so you know i love that you mentioned you what you see is people kind of worrying that they're weak when they're dealing with something when it's like no you're human you're 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 a, a person and all people need and deserve support yeah absolutely i mean we were not my belief is we were not created to be you know alone or to live in silos and so i would definitely tell anyone that's out there listening to make sure that you find find at least one person you don't have to have 20 people and 20 people may not deserve to know your most intimate thoughts and feelings but find at least one person if you start with a therapist that's fine or if you have you know a, a, a good friend in your life or a good family member find someone who you can trust enough Um, because I think therapy is amazing, um, but you're only going to see that person maybe once a week, maybe, um, a couple times a month. And so it's important to also be able to build that tribe or that support network, uh, of people who can also hold you accountable to say, Hey, you're slipping back into X, Y, and Z, right? Remember we had this goal of, you know, trying to socialize more or, you know, not staying in bed for five days when you feel depressed. And so sometimes while we don't love them in the moment when they hold us accountable, sometimes they can be so helpful to assist us in reaching the goals that we have mentally and physically for that matter. Definitely. Yeah. I think that there's a level of being able to cut out some of the guesswork when you, when you onboard the right support. Cause mm-hmm. I think sometimes people, um, get to a place that they finally are like, okay, I need to talk to someone. I need to tell somebody, but are we telling or talking to the right person? Mm-hmm. Because we, if we share with someone who's not in a place to hold space for us or their own limiting beliefs or their fear um, dictates how they respond to you, then you're going to share yourself with somebody and then it's not going to be productive or helpful and actually keep you from reaching out for support again in the future because of because of that interaction. And so what I think what oftentimes happens is that, you know, um, someone will will get to the place where they're like, oh, I have to talk to or tell somebody, but then we tell the wrong person and then that turns like into a situation of its own. 
Yeah, for sure. And that could be that could be really, really damaging because then it just reinforces that thought of, you know what, I should have just kept this kind of to myself. And so absolutely finding the right people, right? It's to, that you can confide in and, and trust. Yeah, I think um, unfortunately for a lot of people, who we think we should be able to go to, right? Like family members or friends, oftentimes that's maybe why it's so damaging. Oftentimes those are the ones that, that reinforce that we should just keep things to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess it goes, <laughs> we've kind of come full circle because I guess it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning in terms of like, when I was sharing about some of the college students and just um, some of the folks I work with that struggle a balance of wanting to talk about like their emotions and mental health, but then also that struggle of like, but can I talk about it with these particular people? Is it safe? That's it. Safety. It all comes down to that at the end of the day, right? Safety yeah. and trust. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I really appreciate you for, you know, stopping by, sharing your gems, giving us some insight. If y'all were listening and weren't taking notes, well, I guess you don't have to listen to the episode again, but <laughs> If you were, I hope you got some gems that you can take into your week and apply on some level because the point is not just to listen, but to learn and to apply them to your life so that you can make progress, feel more fortified and find more ways to show up authentically in as many spaces as possible. If you could let us know where we can support you, come and check out some of the content that you share, um, we would really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is dr, and then my first and last name, K-R-I-S-T-I-E-N-O-R-W-O-O-D. So that's Dr. Christy Norwood. And it's the same on Facebook as well. Um, and then I have a website that you're welcome to check out as well. It's just www.drchristynorwood.com. So I love to just sort of connect with folks. I actually just got on Instagram um, it was at the beginning of the pandemic and it's just been amazing to connect with different um, folks around mental health and just continue again, this like community because none of us can do it by ourselves. It really does take a community to kind of share this message and to help all of us be well. Again, thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and we'll make sure to tap into everything that you're sharing and doing as well. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.